0: covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as we continue to get closer and closer to the start of the season. In fact, this is the final podcast this year where we will not have a regular season game coming up within a week of it. Uh, another full week of spring training coming up, and then we'll do the podcast next week. And uh, at that point, we'll be looking forward to that Thursday, April 1st opener when the Brewers are set to match up against the Minnesota Twins. Here's what we got coming up on the podcast this week. Will Salmon from The Athletic. He is our featured guest. He'll join us coming up in just a few moments. Also, our housekeeping items here at the top, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Paulie on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air and if you listen to the podcast on apple Podcasts, would certainly encourage you to uh, subscribe to uh, the podcast and also leave a ranking and review that's always uh, a very good thing in terms of more people finding the podcast which is what we want as many people uh, listening as possible all right uh, just a few notes from this past week not a shocker the brewers officially selected the contract of travis shaw Shaw was always, barring him just having a horrendous start to spring training, this was always going to happen. I've referred to the opt-out that he had in his minor league contract as being almost a major league contract because it was such an early opt-out. Really, all that did for the Brewers was it gave them a little bit of flexibility to see whose roster spot it would make the most sense for Shaw to have or wait for an injury to happen and end up being an injury as Mark Matthias goes on to the 60-day injured list. He's dealing with a a shoulder issue and it's not clear when he is going to be able to return. Brewers have uh, sent some folks down to uh, AAA, technically. Guys like uh, Phil Bickford and Eric Lauer going to AAA. What that really means at this point it doesn't mean a whole lot to be honest with you it means in all likelihood they probably won't make the opening day roster it also means yeah that's kind of it Uh, it doesn't really mean much this year and in normal year you'd be sending guys to minor league camp there isn't really minor league camp this year um so these guys who gets to, who are no longer technically in major league camp will continue to appear in, in Cactus League games. It just gives you an idea of who's really contending for these roster spots that are still up in the air going into opening day. And we'll talk a lot about uh, the roster spots that are up in the air when Will Salmon comes up uh, here in just a few moments. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, Devin Williams, they both made their Cactus League debuts this past week. They did so on Saturday. Good to see those guys playing uh Kane on Saturday played five innings in center field ended up uh, going one for three so that's just uh guy somebody like Kane he was still a little bit banged up obviously did not play most of last season they are taking it very 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 slow with him and uh it's it's still not clear how much he's actually going to play at the beginning of the season. We have to see how his uh, body is going to respond to uh, now finally being back into the lineup. A lot of things to uh, look at there, but good good to see him there. Uh, Devin Williams looked good. They're being careful with him as well. Obviously, after his big step forward last year, uh, coming off a shoulder injury right at the end of the season, they are just uh, being as, as careful as they can be uh, with those guys they continue to get them ready for a 162 game season and for somebody like Williams uh, you, you just want to be very careful going from the 60 games last year to the 162 the shoulder injury at the end of the season just all of that uh, you just want to be as careful with him as possible and I think same thing with uh, Lorenzo Cain and they've got insurance now with Jackie Bradley Jr. on the roster. If, if Kane is not 100% not ready to go right at the start of the season, you've got somebody who can play out in center field and you can really ease Kane into the season if that is something that you do need to do. Uh, Christian Yelich was back into the lineup a little bit this past week. They He'd, he'd been there in some early Cactus League games and they kind of took their foot off the pedal, had him just do a lot of work, working in the cage, all that sort of stuff, and now back in games uh, this past week. A lot of people on social media were concerned about his possibility uh, Possible injury status, and uh, Craig Council was very clear there's nothing going on right there, that he is in uh, good shape, and that they just uh, that was always the plan with him in spring training this year that they were actually going to start him out a little bit earlier than normal, but then they were going to pull back before uh, they got him in there for the home stretch of the season. Also, one other note when it comes to injuries, but uh, impacting a prospect, one of the top prospects in the organization, and uh, left-handed pitcher Antoine Kelly, he uh, underwent the uh, thoracic outlet surgery over the course of the winter, and it looks like he is not going to be ready to start the minor league season when the minor league season does get underway. Uh, But they do hope that he is going to be able to pitch at some point uh, this summer. So just something to kind of keep an eye on over the course of the year. All right, uh, let's get to our featured conversation. He writes for uh, The Athletic. He is Will Salmon. You can follow him on Twitter at W I L L S A M M O N. We head down to Arizona to uh, welcome Will onto the program. Will, thank you so much uh, for your time. Always appreciate you finding a little bit of time for us. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Matt. Love the show. As you know, I'm a listener every week, so. Enjoyed, and I'm glad to be on with you, man.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. And I'm glad to kind of get an insight on some things going on down in Arizona. Let me just kind of start with this because I've talked with people down there. It just seems like I don't even know what word I want to use. There's this, there's this refreshing feeling across everybody I, I talked to, just going from last year to this year just with the, the, the small amount of normalcy, the small amount of fans that are, that are there. I mean, it's not, we're not anywhere all the way back close to normal, but there's a percentage back, and everybody seems to be really happy about it. What's been kind of your thoughts on that, the way people have been so happy about just having a few fans in the stands here during Cactus League play?
1: Well, that's to work in a lot of ways, and I feel like a lot of people who have returned to their jobs, or to some semblance of what we been doing way back when, excuse me, say in 2019 or so, they can relate, and I think that goes a long way toward your happiness, because I feel like, just personally speaking, I'm busy, I'm doing stuff every day, and my hours are filled every day, and sometimes that could be a lot, (laughs) like, there's, there's only so many hours in the day, but... I find myself not really caring about that, and I feel on most days re-energized to start anew, and I just feel there's, there's a powerful energy in that sense. Whereas, you know, when you're operating just at home and doing your job at home, and I think players can relate to this too and getting ready for the season and having sort of the unknowns in your mind, it's hard. It's hard to to get into a rhythm. Sometimes motivation can be lacking. I think all, all those things are things that people can relate to. But if you can't be happy in the sunshine of Arizona while there's baseball playing in March, um, there's probably significant issues. Uh, so gladly, I don't have those. I guess um, at least not at the moment. But no, yeah, man, it's been really. It's been a wonderful experience. It's, it's definitely different with not as many people packed in stadiums. You know the the largest amount on a given night sometimes has been around two thousand or so, and some of these stadiums are usually at nine thousand, even ten thousand people. Um, so it's a difference, and you feel that at times. But you look at the bright side, and you know it's it's a fun atmosphere still for fans. I believe um, they're still getting their money's worth as as far as heckling goes. We could hear we could hear more of it now. I feel like, and so that's kind of a fun aspect, but. No question. Just to have baseball games, playing um, things that we kind of draw from, talk about, have conversations about. It. It's good. It's all fun stuff.
0: Yeah, and you know, and to take that kind of one step further to you know talk about being back to work and the sense of normalcy. Craig Council talked about this past week. Somebody uh, asked him about he. I think the I think the question started. we talking about Orlando Arcia over at third, and the answer delved into. You know, small sample size, not enough at-bats, not enough innings in the field to really evaluate. And then that took one step further where there's almost like this mindset change where last year in a 60-game schedule – they're making decisions with a small sample size because they had to. I think Brock Holt's uh, release was was mentioned in that. And now this year they have to kind of go back to the way it was where you give guys a little bit more time. And baseball is that 162-game season. And there's a lot of time to have a bad first month, first two months, and, and still be able to kind of fight your way out of it. Is there a... Is there a paradigm shift that kind of goes along with that, that after they operated in one mindset last year in a 60-game season that they've got to really revert back to how it was previously, now going into a 162-game year?
1: Totally. And I think you could also frame that in the question of what will the roster look like because there's a lot of different conversations that you can have. and Some guys may not be obvious candidates based on either their performance or the past couple of years, but if you dig deeper and you say to yourself, okay, well, if they don't take this guy, then where did he end up? Is he on the waiver wire? Does he just call it quits? Like, what goes on? Is that somebody that they're better off sort of carrying for at least the first couple of weeks or so because it is that long of a season and you're going to need the depth this year? So, yeah, I definitely think that there's a Paradigm shift in that off process because, as you mentioned, Brock Holt was cut. You know, a month into the season, and that's just a decision that would not happen in a 162 game season for a guy who has the track record that he does, the veteran presence that he provides. That's not going to happen this year. So, hundred percent, you're right with the paradigm shift. And going back to the roster thing that I mentioned that's where I feel like I am most intrigued by how the thought of a longer season comes into play, at least at the initial, uh, the start of it.
0: And that should be something that plays into the Brewers' hands because they have been They've been so good in the David Stearns, Craig Council era of Brewers baseball in the second half of the season in maneuvering the roster and the moves that they make in season in knowing who to kind of stick with and who not to stick with through through adversity early on in the year. It just seems like to me that the longer season and and being smart with the kind of decisions you just made reference to, uh, at least just based off the historical record of of Stearns and Council, that that is something that should play into the Brewers' hands.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, and I still like this roster, too. Right. I think that there there are there's a lot of good quality players um, that other teams may not have valued as much as maybe the Brewers have, and I'm talking about free agents such as uh, Colton Long, Jackie Bradley Jr., who have been added, but I'm also referring to um, some of the other depth pieces that I think could be helpful. I'm not saying that they're going to make all-star teams here, but you know, somebody like Daniel Robertson is not going to hurt you if he's on your roster. He could do a lot of nice things for you. Um, is that type of player that the Brewers love who can play multiple positions and do a lot of little things for you. Maybe he doesn't do one thing spectacular, but he's solid across the board. And I thought like there's a few guys like that that stick out. And We've already seen some injuries. Um, they're not to the most impactful players on this roster. Nobody that they're going to lean on uh, for every day at-bats is out, but they had a couple of injuries uh, to the bullpen and to the bench, or maybe not even I should say to the bench, because these were guys, I'm referring to Tim Lopes, Mark Matthias, maybe one or two more guys, Chase Peterson, guys who are hurt or banged up or out, frankly, who probably weren't going to make the opening day roster, but they're going to be counted on, or they expect to be counted on at some point later in the season. So that just goes to show you like why they build the way they build um, because of, they want to be out, out in front of things like that. So they're fortunate where the injuries haven't occurred to. You know, guys like I mentioned, the impact, the most impactful guys, but you weather those storms too um, when you build your roster this way. So, yeah, I'm with you with the, the overall thinking that they know how to move, maneuver a roster, they, they know what moves to make. Nobody's going to bat 1,000 with that, of course, but the Brewers have a pretty strong track record when it comes to that.
0: You mentioned some of the injuries with – Matthias and Lopes and, and those guys, that seems to be opening up the door for Billy McKinney to maybe make the roster, and, and he's performed well. He had a, a two-home run game uh, this past week. It's, uh, people have talked about Craig Council's mentioned the fa- fact he's played uh, a little bit of first base, so some multi-position availability for him is something that, as you already mentioned, is something the team likes. What have you seen from McKinney, and is this a guy who uh, is, is maybe walking through a door that's been opened up a little bit for him to potentially make that roster?
1: I still think it's going to be a tough for him to make it. Um, maybe not tough, but I don't think he's helped all that much by the injuries, just because those guys um, were not projected, at least in my opinion, to make it. So conceivably, that that would open a uh, a spot up, and so I, I feel like it it was going to be tough, but not impossible for him to make this roster. And I, I for the most part, I'm kind of in the same same line of thinking. It really depends on like what what amount of pitchers they're comfortable with, going with initially. And it's weird because they have that off day right after the opener. So no, nothing stops them from saying, okay, this is our roster for Thursday, and then like, let's make changes two days later. Yeah. Uh, and that's not anything new for the Brewers either, right? So that's definitely possible. So could I see him making the roster? Sure. Now that I think more about it out loud as well. Yeah, and and I like him because First, yeah, he could play some first base, corner outfield spots. He also had a little, bit, a little bit of power that I just don't feel like people would give him enough credit for. He played, what, two or three games in the majors in 2020? And then, like, in 2019, he didn't play a whole lot in the majors either, but he did hit, I think, close to 20 home runs, A. And, yeah, sure, it's A It doesn't really matter um, if you can't execute and put up numbers in the big leagues. It doesn't do you any good, of course. But I bring that up just because you know he's a first round He's a former first round draft pick, and he's shown power in the minors. And would I be shocked if he if he's a, a serviceable bat off the bench who could give you a lift with some power? No, not not at all. If that's if that's what it comes to. Um, I think he's in that group of players that they have to make a decision on. And I think Daniel Vogelback is another guy like that, where, again, he he does a lot of things that you like, but because he can only play first base in in a national league that isn't looking like it will have a DH, and at first base, by the way, he he isn't the best defender, of course, Uh, it makes him, it makes his, uh, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help his chances, it hurts his chances to make the roster. So they they have a couple of guys like that, um, and then not even to mention the guys that they may carry in the bullpen. and and how many they will be. So there there are some questions when it comes to their opening day roster, but like I said, nothing stops them from changing that, you know, a day later. So I wouldn't get too caught up in it, as always, but definitely some intriguing candidates for it.
0: I've always thought power off the bench is one of the toughest things to have in baseball because – more often than not, if you're a power hitter, you also strike out a lot. And if you're truly a bench guy, you don't want somebody who strikes out a lot because there's a pretty good chance that they're going to have one at-bat a game. And if there's somebody who strikes out a lot, you're, you're not in that comfort zone of having three, four, five at-bats in a game. So just that those guys don't tend to do well off the bench. So I think you mentioning his power, if he can hit for enough average and not, and not strike out enough, power off the bench is something that very few teams really have, and it would be a nice thing for the Brewers to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's going back to Vogelback for a second too. It's you almost the question of like, okay, how valuable is that? Mm -hmm. How valuable is the one the guy off the bench in in this era of baseball where he's giving you that? Chances are he's probably going to fail, which is no knock on him. It's just it's a hard job. So you know, like look at the pitch hit numbers of the course in baseball history. They're not good. Uh, There's a reason for that. And so how valuable is that spot? And could it be used for somebody who has a little bit more flexibility? That's where I, that's where my mind goes. And so to get back to one of the other questions that you had about the Kenny, you know, he's he shown some good defense too. I mean, he made a diving spout the other night, um, at the left field. Um, so it's not just a barrage of homers recently. Uh, I think he runs the base as well too. Um, a little thing like that. Uh, he has a pretty strong arm. We saw that on Sunday, with a, with a good throw to second base, so th- there are some things to like there um, wouldn't be surprised one way or the other on the decision that they make somebody who's not going to get everyday at-bats but in an outfield that has a question mark with Lorenzo Cain, just how much he can provide for you right away say the first couple of weeks of April I know, uh, firmly I'm well aware that they got Jackie Bradley Jr. to help in that sense, and that and they still have three outfielders with Yelich, Bradley, and Garcia, if Kane is limited or unable or just not quite ready to go 100%, um, then McKinney is even more valuable. Um, So uh, there there are so many things up in the air when it comes to the Brewers and, and this last week of spring training before they really have to make some hard decisions.
0: Somehow we've talked for 14 and a half minutes and we haven't mentioned third base, which does remain the the single biggest question mark on the team. Travis Shaw was assured his roster spot. He was added to uh, the 40-man roster, no longer on the minor league deal. It always seemed like that was going to be the, the foregone conclusion. It looks like he's got the inside track on that job, but it's anything but a guarantee for him. How do you evaluate the job he's done? I mean, his baseball card numbers in spring are not great, but some of the uh, some of the eye test numbers are a little bit better. Especially when you hear uh, some of the things that uh, like an Andy Haynes is saying about him. But there are there are other guys. There's you mentioned Daniel Robertson. We uh, Orlando Arcia is going to be given uh, an opportunity to continue to play a little bit of third base. How do you evaluate that position right now?
1: Yeah, I may be in the minority when it comes to Travis Shaw's spring, but i have like to have seen from him since the first day. And, yeah, he, he had uh, kind of a slow start statistically, but I don't know. I was watching his at-bats, and, like, they're, they're long at-bats. They're good-chaked. Um, anecdotally, I remember him striking out, uh, looking a couple of times on some questionable calls, like, stuff like that. Hitting the ball hard, right at somebody. That that has occurred for him a couple of times, or it, or it was the first week or two of games. And then he kind of had some breaks, um, and he, honestly, a couple of them were some, you know, bloop here, bloop there before driving the ball, and I don't know, I, I'd like what I've with him at the plate, you know, defensively, he, he's had some miscues at third base, has made a couple of errors, that said, they didn't sign the guy for his defensive prowess, of course, they're expecting him to contribute offensively, and... When I look at him, I look at him as a, as a really good fit for this team, um, based on the fact that he can provide some power at a really thin position, like you that. Know, um and he could also do it from the left the uh, left side, and so it gives you the option of perhaps platooning him with more of a with a right-handed batter like like a Daniel Robertson or uh, Orlando Garcia who has played some third base, or even Luis Urias, who has played who played third base a lot last season but has played mostly shortstop so far in spring. So it gives them options. How exactly it unfolds, I'm not sure. Frankly, um, if, if you if you ask me, I, I personally don't know why you have Robertson, Arcia, and Luis Urias on the, on the same roster because they are all three guys who are all doing kind of similar things. So it's like, do you really need all three? If you go with just two, um, I don't know. I look at that and sometimes I just say to myself, you know, I feel like they'd just be better served with like one of those spots going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, um, you know the way it stands right now, with all three of those guys, or with Shaw on the left side, I think sort of if you come to the fact where it's like the cream rises, the cream will rise to the crop, right? Where it's like whoever plays best may end up winning that whatever timeshare um, it looks at the start of the year. So I think that they have put in the, they put themselves in a situation where they have options. And depending on how things unfold, uh, they're not going to be reliant on, say, one or two guys there, which is a good thing.
0: I love watching Orlando Arcea play shortstop, and I'm already gearing myself up for some level of disappointment in that first game where Luis Urias is at shortstop and Orlando Arcea is at third. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, why are you doing this when the, when the better defensive shortstop is over at third base? That's one that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, uh, I I see that argument for sure. I, I actually like Louis Trias at shortstop. I've had a couple of scouts say to me he's more of a second baseman, but like I mentioned earlier in our conversation, we we saw him at third base, and frankly, I just don't think we've seen him enough at shortstop to really have a great opinion. At least I don't. I'm not convinced that Craig Council has has seen enough either to have a to have a sweeping opinion on you know how good he is or or. Uh, what you could sort of expect from him, and I think that goes to what he could do offensively as well. Because I know the Padres gave him a shot; I believe it was what twenty nineteen to start the year, and he failed. He he did not do well at the plate, struggled very badly, Um got demoted, had to build himself back up, but put up some really strong numbers in the PCL. And I get it; uh, hitters' environment environment over there. But still, um, we've seen the skills uh, in flashes. The, the ball strike stuff, um, ability to get on base, throw walks, make some contact, all good things. So, can I see it going either way? Yeah, sure. Uh, I could see a bunch of different things. Ken Rosenthal for us I, think, I thought Athletic even reported that Orlando Arcea would be the favorite today. And it's not out of the question for Louis Churis to start the season in the minors. Me, personally, um, I think that that's a tough decision to make because we don't know what the minor league schedule will exactly look like. I think it's expected to start what a month later. So do you really want that guy to be waiting around for a month? I'm not sure. Um, Especially when it's a guy that needs every day at that. So I I think that they like him a lot, but they just don't know that. I think they'd like, let me rephrase that. They like his upside and the best version of what they think he can be. But they're not quite sure what he is yet. I think that's a fair way to put it with Luigi is.
0: We're talking on Sunday night, and on Sunday Freddie Peralta pitched for the Brewers, pitched well, eighty five pitches, uh, four and two thirds, gives up one earned run on five hits, five strikeouts. In his major league career he's shown when he's been more consistent, he's been in the bullpen, but when he's been at his best, he's been a starter. But the consistency hasn't been there as a starter. I know he's added to his pitching what repertoire. It really feels like they're looking at him right now as being one of the five going into the rotation, going in the season, in the rotation. Do you feel that way as well?
1: I feel like there's a good shot, sure. Um, you know, they're, they've built him up in the sense that if they do decide to go with it, he's ready to go, and clearly that's a lot better than the alternative where you're asking, you know, you're building a guy, pitching him more or two innings, and then all of a sudden, you know, he needs to start games. That's, that's not what the Brewers are going to do. So, I do, I feel like him and Josh Lindblom are both going to get starts in the first month of the season. Whether that happens, whether both get starts the first week, I'm not sure. Um, I could see a situation where Josh Lindblom um, starts maybe in the bullpen and Freddie Peralta is, is one of the first five guys. But again, uh, a week later, LeBlanc can get a start. Um, it really depends on the schedule of your off days. You're going to be cognizant of innings so much this year because of the show last year. So yeah, I, I, I don't want to say I expect him. I was about to, but I probably shouldn't say that. Um, I think he's best served as a starting pitcher right now in his, in his career because if you look at his numbers and and you say okay he did this as a reliever this is a starter to me in in that history it doesn't mean a whole lot because the pitches have changed yeah you know the, the slider that he was throwing is completely different um uh, he he started throwing it last year and it's a it's a new pitch for him still um and so like those numbers from last year in that bullpen stint were numbers that he was that he was um uh, achieving with a, with a great slider with a new with a new slider and he hasn't really been able to throw that throw that pitch as a starting pitcher yet. Plus, he also has a changeup and, and that he's been working on, um, and he also throws the curveball. So all of a sudden, we're talking about a guy with uh, three or four pitches, and that's a lot different than the pretty pretty everybody knows and loves from uh, you know a couple of years ago, where he was really a, a one pitch guy. Yeah. Uh, of course. So, so yeah, I I feel like you can almost throw those statistics out the window a little bit because of how much he has developed. And this like, is a young guy, so uh, part me is just like insistent on the fact that it's worth mentioning his age and the fact that we're not talking about some 32-year-old who just start, who just tried to reinvent himself. It's like, you got to take that maybe with a grain of salt. I and mean, this is a younger guy who, um, in his path, has been, you know, a lot of people like to say, like Craig Council always likes to say about how paths aren't always linear. For me, like he's been up and down as far as bullpen and starter or whatever, but it's not exactly like a broken line here. I mean, he's on a path of development, and it's like I feel like this is the next step for
0: him. Yeah, I'm really interested because I, you're right. He's not fastball Freddie anymore. And while a year ago, certainly two years ago, I would be sitting here saying this guy needs to be in the bullpen because it's just he's not going to be able to be consistent from one start to the next. He doesn't have enough pitches. You're right. He's he's completely reinvented himself while still having that plus fastball, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see what he's able to do uh, do with that. All right. Um, that but that rotation overall, you you look at Woodruff and Burns at the top. You can probably slot in Brett Anderson kind of as that de facto number three. But then you got all these guys after that. You got Hauser. You got Lindblom. You got Peralta. Uh, there's going to be other guys who have already been uh, taken out of major league camp, which is really just kind of a paper move this year. That doesn't really matter, but that are going to be coming up. Whether it's an Eric Lauer or whoever else. I mean, how how much um. How much fluidity do you think is going to exist, especially in starter spots, numbers four, five, and and six, if they go with a six man rotation at times?
1: Um, a decent amount, um, maybe in like whose turn is coming next sort of thing. But I feel like they're, they're pretty solid with who those guys are, right? Like you, you just named them and rattled them off. I don't, I don't anticipate like major role shifts with those guys. Um, what I mean by that is, like you said, Woodruff, Burns, Brett Anderson, um, de facto may be a great uh, word to use with him. But, man, I'm telling you, like he, he's my guy this year. I feel like we didn't really get the chance to appreciate him last year because of the 60th season and another injury. It's uh, a you know, story of his career, unfortunately. But, man, I just feel like he's just a steady presence for this team. I don't know. I feel like he's underrated. Um, so I like him. Uh, I think uh, – Every time that Craig Council has mentioned Adrian Hauser, it has come within the context of making starts. And so reading between the lines there, I don't anticipate him his role changing from what it was last year all that much. Um, and then it comes down to the number five spot, traditionally speaking. And right now they have Bloom and Peralta kind of throwing on the same day. On Sunday, Peralta pitched the game against the Mariners, and Lindblom threw in a D game, and I think like I mentioned earlier about the position players, and like that final roster spot or two, it gives them options, right? Um, so they can go with either one, and again, in that, say, second week of April, could it go to the sixth man and just have Joshua Bloom start the sixth game, or the seventh game? Sure, I mean, like, they're not, to paraphrase a quote from Craig Council recently, they're not Preparing for who's going to pitch, say, game three, four, or five in spring training. You know, they're, they're preparing for how are we going to get through this season. And so I anticipate all six of those guys starting games for the Brewers. Uh, I don't think are all one of those guys is all of, all of a sudden going to just be a relief pitcher or anything like that. I feel like all six of those guys are going to start games.
0: You mentioned Brett Anderson. I'm excited. He's a pitch to contact guy and a, a ground ball guy. It's that with As much as the defense has improved, ma- mainly because of the addition uh, of Colton Wong, his numbers could, could be even better than what they've been in some of his better years recently.
1: Yeah, I would hope so for his sake and for the Brewers' sake. Sometimes I scratch my head a little bit and I wonder about the defense because as much as the addition of Wong helps, you have a question mark at first base with Keston Hira. He's had some inconsistencies at the position, which is to be expected for somebody new at a position, so I don't want to crush the guy or anything. Um, He's learning on the job, but that's going to come in April, right? I mean, like, all of a sudden the the, uh, switch doesn't go on, and all of a sudden you're all that much better because the calendar says April. He's still going to be very, very new and green at that position once games start, and so that's kind of a worry for me um, not in the sense that I don't think he can do it. I, I do. I just feel like it's gonna. It may take some time. Um, and then, like at third base, like you know, Travis Shaw, um, again, not known for his defense so at the corners. I just feel like that could be a question mark sometimes. And so, as much as I like the defense up the middle, they could be susceptible in other areas. So um, I like to think yes that it will help them out. Um, and I think the gut reaction for me is yes, but I also don't want to discount the idea that you know Kessinger is new at the position at first, and it's easy because it's first base to kind of just gloss over it and say okay it'll be fine it'll be great whatever, uh, but it's just not that easy at any position in the major leagues I feel like, especially one that receives as much action as that one does.
0: Before we let you go, got to get a plug in for the athletic is the is the Buck a Month thing still going on right now for uh, for folks who want to subscribe.
1: Oh yeah, it really it it is actually, and uh, I appreciate you mentioning that. It's a it's a really good deal. We don't really run it a whole lot. We usually just do it for the holidays and maybe for the start of seasons, and so that's why it's out right now. So it's a good time to jump aboard um, and try to get coverage from really some of the best riders nationally. I feel like Ken Rosenthal, the rally. Uh, those are the two guys who broke the science dealing scandal with Houston Astros, and obviously everybody knows Ken for. Breaking news, but he's he's also a terrific writer, and we have terrific, uh, terrific national stable in addition to local coverage. So, a um, dollar a month to give it a try. I feel like there, I, I'd like to think that um, that there are worse things you could spend a couple of dollars on. Uh
0: I don't know. I don't know how I would live, I, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I, know, I love your coverage, and, and I read everything that that you write. And you mention all the the, um, the the national baseball guys, but I get the the push notifications, and I can't tell you. How often a push notification will come across that's kind of intriguing? Something that maybe I wasn't that interested in, but the, something about the way the push notification is written that it kind of intrigues me, and then I end up spending the next ten minutes reading something incredibly interesting that I never even knew existed. So this goes beyond baseball. I just I would ha- I would have less of a sports enjoyment uh, in my life if I did not have the athletics. So that is that's my official endorsement for it.
1: Appreciate that. I will, uh, let our notifications team send you a check for, uh, for your testimonial, Matt. That's very much appreciated. But no, um, you know, it's a, it's a great company to work for, uh, from a journalistic uh, point of view, uh, from a journalism point of view. Um, you're able to kind of tackle some stories that you maybe otherwise wouldn't have the time to do because, you know, otherwise you'd be too worried in these, very, very minor updates that can be done via social media and whatnot that I try to do. So, yeah, I'm thankful to be in the position that I am to to try to do um, a more big-picture view on things, uh, all things Brewers. So thankful again for, for the plug and for having me on that.
0: And we can also always say anytime one of those push notification goes across, you can go, oh, what did Mickey Calloway do now?
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Um, the the um, investigation team for us has done an uh Uh, remarkable, inspiring job on that. It's it's just, you hate to have that news. I mean, it's despicable, uh, frankly, uh, to have that appear um, and to to read it time and time again. But the ability, the strength that people have shown to kind of share those stories, um, that, that, that has resonated with me. And I feel like it resonates with anybody reading it.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. He is Will Salmon. Follow him on Twitter at W-I-L-S-A-M-M-O-N. If you don't subscribe to The Athletic, subscribe to The Athletic. If you do subscribe to The Athletic, read everything that Will writes. Will, thank you so much for your time. We'll do this again real soon. Oh, Anytime,
1: Matt. Thanks again for having me on.
0: Well, Sam, and joining us here on Brewers Extra innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Let's look ahead to what's going to be coming up this week for the Brewers as they go into their final full week of Cactus League play. By the way, uh, be tuned in on uh, WTMJ. Our own Greg Mass, excuse me, our own uh, Greg Matzik is headed to Arizona, and he is going to be uh, reporting from Maryvale over the course of the week. So you'll be able to hear his reports on uh, WTMJ, also 94.5. ESPN for uh, that matter as well. Brewers on Monday have a matchup against the Cleveland Indians. They will take on the Dodgers on Tuesday. That's a game you can hear on WTMJ. Wednesday they play the Rockies. That's a 94-5 ESPN broadcast. Then on Thursday they play the Giants. Friday they'll match up against the White Sox. That's on WTMJ. Saturday they play the Royals. That's a WTMJ game. Sunday they match up against the Reds and that's going to uh, wrap up the Arizona portion of the season they will then head to Arlington Texas for uh, two exhibitions against the uh, Texas Rangers coming up next Monday and Tuesday that's the uh, 29th and also the uh, 30th is when uh, those games are going to be uh, taking place so that uh, and that wraps up that will then wrap up uh, the spring training portion of the year and they get ready for opening day coming up on Thursday April 1st right around the corner all right, that's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My appreciation going to uh, Will Salmon for joining us. I also appreciate you for being tuned in, and we'll talk again next week for another edition of the program. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all
1: the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.